the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Pastor Scott Show. It is Friday. Good to be with you today, as I am each and every weekday from 3 to 5. Pastor Scott Show. We take issues of the day and look at them from a Christian perspective. And uh, normally on Friday, we do Open Line Friday. We will get to that later on, where we'll take your calls on any subject at all. But I wanted to bring you up to speed on an issue that is in front of the Supreme Court or headed there. And uh, I have a guest with us who was with us just a couple of uh, few weeks ago. It's about the abortion pill and what's happening in the United States. Since the Roe versus Wade decision was overturned last year, there's been a lot of changes. But one of them is that the use of the at-home abortion pill for chemically induced abortion has gone up 500 percent since about 2020. And uh, there are many complications to this drug, and there are court cases now pending about whether or not this drug should actually be legal with the charge that the FDA never really took a look at the complications and what they mean, and that women who take this pill are often not informed of the potential complications. With me is Dr. Ingrid Skop. Uh, Dr. Skop is an OBGYN and doctor at the Lozier Institute with the Lozier Institute. And uh, she has been at the center of this argument in the uh, Court of Appeals hearing that just happened. And she's here to update us on all these things. Dr. Skop, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Thank you, Pastor Scott. Glad to be here. It's great to have you back. So last time you were on, we were talking about a couple of decisions that were made by two different courts. One put a stop to the a Texas court, put a stop to the use of this pill. And then two hours later, another court said, no, it can keep going. And then um, I believe what happened is you can fill me in from there. But the Court of Appeals a few days later ruled that abortionists uh, um weren't allowed to send the pill through the mail, but it was still allowed to be used until something actually gets decided. Right. So what has happened essentially is that over time, the FDA has loosened restrictions on several occasions. And so um, in the um, initial trial in Amarillo with Judge Kaczmarek, he agreed with the plaintiffs that the, the drugs should have never been approved because the complications are very common. One out of 20 women suffers um, such that she needs an emergent surgery, um, approximately the same amount, go to an emergency room. Um, the When it went to the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, they actually thought, well, it's okay to have it on the market, but it should go back to its original conditions of approval, which was fairly tight restrictions prescribed by a physician, um, only up to seven weeks gestational age, because as we discussed last time, Right now, the way the FDA is allowing it to be used, it can be ordered over the Internet. It can be delivered to a woman's mailbox without ever a doctor laying a hand on her. 
no ultrasound, no physical exam, no looking her in the eye to be sure that the person ordering the pill is the one who wants an abortion Mm -hmm. and not a sex trafficker or someone else. So this unsupervised abortion obviously is very dangerous. Um, The Fifth Circuit said, you know what, go back to the beginning approval. But unfortunately, when it was immediately uh, sent to the Supreme Court and they had to make a decision in a rush, um, they opted not to do anything to um, uh, to back it up um, until the trial um, is completed. The trial's ongoing right now, and undoubtedly, no matter what the decision, it will eventually go to the Supreme Court. But I am quite hopeful that when the Supreme Court has a chance to look at all the evidence, they will recognize that particularly the way it's being used right now is absolutely inappropriate for anyone who ever says they care about a woman giving her the opportunity to self-manage her own abortion with no medical supervision is clearly unsafe. Yes. And, um, you know, I think I want to bring people up to speed because I've learned a lot about this even just since talking to you the last time you were on our show. And I want our audience to know that you're a board-certified obstetrician and gynecologist. You work for the OB hospitalist group with privileges at Baptist Hospital System. And uh, you represent the Lozier Institute, which is a great uh, source for people who want to understand what's happening in abortion and with these uh, issues from a a pro-life standpoint. So you're very well qualified. And you gave testimony, a declaration uh, at the appeals court um, about your experiences with women who have taken this pill and had complications. Yeah, absolutely. So just to get everybody up to speed, the um, the regimen that is approved is two medications. Mifepristone blocks the hormone progesterone. It shuts off the uh, support to the baby and causes the baby, the unborn child, to die. It's followed by mesoprostol that essentially induces labor to express the tissue. And yet it doesn't always work. It's common to have a hemorrhage. It's common to have tissue that cannot be expressed. And so those are those are the problems that women encounter. And um, and even though I'm practicing in Texas, where we do have very strict abortion uh, regulations, I still see and care for women who have been hurt by these pills um, because it's being provided um, sort of under, you know, illegally Mm -hmm. um, in states that have restrictions um, and frequently, and these women are usually quite traumatized, um, it's important to, to note that there is no mandatory complication reporting in our country. And so when the abortion industry says, oh, it's 98, 99% effective, they're just talking about the complications they know about. But at the same time, they're telling women this is safer than Tylenol. So of course, when these women have a complication, they realize they've been lied to, They usually don't go back to the abortion provider. They come to an emergency room or they come to the private doctor like me, and that's where I've encountered them. The study that I'm looking at says that one out of 20 women cannot expel all of the uh, dead tissue after the pregnancy, leading to hemorrhaging, bleeding, and infection, and can be life-threatening. It's a very bizarre thing to me that these complications cannot be told to women who are getting this pill. Absolutely. I mean, there's no way you can give true informed consent when you don't you can't even tell them how likely they're there. They are to have a complication because nobody's really keeping the data. The the statistic you just quoted, one out of 20, comes from um, data in European countries where they can do record linkage. They pay for the abortion so they know all the medical events. Um, 
much better quality data. Um, and I would note that four times the complications as compared to surgical abortion. So if a woman's going to have an abortion, she's far less likely to have a problem if it's performed surgically. But um, chemical abortions obviously benefit the abortion industry. All they do is hand the woman some pills, collect their money, and they're done. Um, because in many cases, the woman does not return to them when they have a complication. How often would you say, you know, you, you're talking about the, the data and that's one of the hard things for all of this conversation, right, is that I, the numbers of abortions keep coming down, but I wonder if that's even accurate because we don't know how many people have taken this pill. Right. I mean, we don't even know how many abortions occur in our country. And, and unfortunately, you're in a state that actually refuses to report any data about abortion. You have a lot of abortions there, but they don't tell the CDC about any of them. So, you know, what we really must have eventually is mandatory data collection. But the abortion industry, of course, does not want that data to be known because they recognize as well as I do that the complications are much higher than they report. Yeah, that is uh, that's an extraordinary thing. I think we have to be Maybe you don't know the answer to this, but why is it that in European countries, they are comfortable putting these studies together in the data, but we are not? I mean, I would say we're not for political reasons. How did that get overcome in Europe? Well, it it is highly politicized in the United States, much more, I would say, than probably any other country. But the other thing that happens in Europe, which I'm not advocating for, but they pay for the abortions Mm. there. So they are able to do, you know, of course, in the Scandinavian countries, they have meticulous record keeping. So they can they can really accurately determine how often women have a failed abortion and a complication. Um, but, you know, the United States, our, our data is all over the board. Um, you know, most abortions are paid for privately. And the other problem that happens is women are ashamed of their abortions. They don't want to talk about them. So even if they go to an emergency room with a complication, many times they lead the doctors there to believe it was a miscarriage. And one very high-quality study demonstrated that 60% of the time, known chemical abortion complications were miscoded as due to a miscarriage. So another opportunity to see how bad our data is. And it's it's another indication that we are in a world, in our culture, that wants to not live in reality, even when it comes to medical decisions. Even going to the emergency room, you, you have got to tell them what happened at the emergency room to get treated correctly. And if you don't, you won't get good treatment. Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's been shown in these studies. The women who were miscoded averaged three emergency room visits within a month before they got the care they needed. So even though I don't think the doctors meant to treat them differently, the fact that they right. thought it was a miscarriage rather than a chemical abortion meant that they kind of had a different thought process as they as they helped the woman with their problem. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show. My guest is Dr. Ingrid Skop. She is the Vice President and Director of Medical Affairs for the Charlotte Lozier Institute and has, for over 25 years, been a practicing obstetrician uh, gynecologist. And uh, she has also recently given testimony to the Court of Appeals on the issue of uh, abortion pills and the damage that they cause. When you you gave that testimony and you became, your, your statement was used often, um, in that that hearing. Tell us about that, and where does this stand now in the legal process? Yeah, so I, I uh, was, was one of the primary authors on an amicus brief that Charlotte Lozier Institute wrote, and I also um, did um, submit some affidavits 
of women that I have cared for. So kind yeah. of from both perspectives, from the research and also from the um, cl- clinical perspective. Um, the in the in the um, court of appeals the other day, I think the primary argument was that the doctors and the medical organizations who initiated the lawsuit did not have standing. But um, I, I think that that will fail. We sued on behalf of ourselves and um, our patients. Mm-hmm. And Planned Parenthood has done, as you probably know, almost every abortion restriction has had an immediate lawsuit filed by Planned Parenthood. And they always sue on behalf of themselves and their patients. So, you know, if there's any fairness, if they were allowed to continue their lawsuits, then clearly this this lawsuit should continue as well. Um, the data is compelling. You know, I would encourage anyone who's interested to read our amicus brief to um, on our website, abortiondrugfacts.com. We have a lot of the data, a lot of the studies linked. Um, But absolutely, when you look and you see that there's four times the complications with a chemical compared to a surgical abortion, and that we're now allowing it without any supervision, you recognize, honestly, whether you're pro-life or pro-choice, you should recognize this is not a caring way to treat women. That's right. Um, And so I am am hopeful that that will be recognized by the courts um, and ultimately by the Supreme Court and will rein this in. It's part of the problem. I always I don't like the terms pro-choice or even pro-life because they get us talking about things other than abortion. And, you know, in the the pro-choice line, it's not actually a choice if the women are not fully informed. It's a false choice. Absolutely. I mean, all of us should care about women. I care about women. Um, Yeah. And they should know that they're, what the complications are, what to do about it, next steps. Not not approving of the procedure at all, but if you're going to do it. And I think it, it says something about the, the morality of it that we don't want to have these statistics, that we know this is wrong. Right, right. Yeah. You were – in your testimony, you talked about something I think that is also valuable for people to, to learn, where right now where things stand is the states can make their own rules about abortion, their own laws about when it can be done or not done, and those kinds of things. But the abortion pill is a way that really is a, it's an interstate issue. And you're in Texas, and you, you testified to stories, one particular story of a woman in Los Angeles who's from Texas who got her abortion pill here, came here for an abortion they refused to give her a, a medical abortion, instead they gave her the pill and sent her home, and she had major complications in Texas. Yes, yes, we're seeing that. I, it's, you know, again, through the mail, through people who think they're doing good, bringing it illegally into the state, and then women going out of state and then not being offered a surgical abortion, being given these pills, and then go home and have your complication in another state. Yeah, those stories need to be told. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the number, if you want to call and ask a question of Dr. Scott, the number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Dr. Scott, where, where does this stand now after uh, the Court of Appeals this week? Where does it go from here? Well, I, um, it, it's just a three-judge um, um, hearing right now, so... You know, again, I I don't know exactly where it'll go, but I think that whatever decision they make is probably not going to be um, uh, what the abortion industry wants to hear. Um, It could be appealed then to the full Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. And then, of course, if the ruling is still not what they're looking for, it'll be appealed up to the Supreme Court. And they will, um, you know, this time they kind of punted it back to the Fifth Circuit, but I think the next time they're going to be obligated 
to give a final answer. Yeah, they're going to have to make a statement. So you believe this is this case is going to go your way at this point, at least for this step? I think, I think any thinking person, when they recognize how little supervision there is, let me tell you some of the problems that we have. There yeah. is no ultrasound, so we don't know just women are often incorrect about their gestational age. If they're in the second trimester, their risk of needing surgery is four out of ten women. So it skyrockets 40%. the failures. Yeah. They, they, w- women cannot necessarily tell until they experience pain if they have an ectopic pregnancy. That can rupture. It can lead to catastrophic bleeding. It can kill a woman. And we know that that will probably happen to someone because nobody's ruling out an ectopic before they give them these pills. Sex traffickers, incestuous abusers, anybody can get these pills now. So we're going to have an epidemic of unwanted abortions, women who wanted their child, where someone else coerced them into the abortion. We're not doing labs. We're not checking for anemia. We're not checking for sexually transmitted infections. All the things that are typically done as pre-abortion testing, we're just skipping them all entirely because of what the FDA has allowed. And so typically, I mean, doesn't on most drugs, it seems to me that the FDA does require, you know, when, I, when I'm watching television and there's some new drug that's on there, there's some very quick talking lawyer at the end of it who says, you know, this drug might cause a blah, 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 whole bunch of stuff. And you go, why would I even take that? You know, but <laughs> but they don't have to have that on this particular medicine. Is that right? That is the point that is being made in this lawsuit. The FDA broke its own rules. The FDA allowed itself to be politicized. The FDA is not working in the interest of women to protect them from safe drugs through ideology, you know, whatever the reason is, the FDA has not followed the process that it should follow, like you say, on every other drug. And the question then becomes, who supervises the FDA? If the FDA is not doing their job correctly, how do we make them do it? They are accountable to the American public. So even though some people are offended that this has gone into the judicial system, I mean, our system of checks and balances requires that somebody has to supervise organizations that are breaking the law and that are not working for the good of the American public. Yeah, well, I thank you for being involved in all of that. You know, I... um, there are so many issues here that are that I think are powerful and compelling. Your testimony and the stories that I'm reading of women who have taken the pill with the idea, really not even an understanding of what's going to happen, because I think that's another part of it, that even if the pill works properly, it's not a right. process that is that is comfortable or emotionally healing. Well, it's going to be like a heavy period with cramping. Mm-hmm. But what it is, is it's bleeding for two or more weeks. Forty percent of the women describe the pain as severe, and a substantial proportion of these women will see their child's body in the toilet. And they're not prepared for any of that, and they are devastated when they see it. Yeah, and that, that's a reason that we have to speak out. What can people do? So people who are listening who are saying, you know, I, I would like to help, but what in the world can I do? What can a person do who's listening right now to uh, help people see that this needs to be changed? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is we need to talk about it and we need to educate ourselves. The media in general want to whitewash the subject, and so it's very hard to find good information. Again, go to Lozier Institute's website um, and find out the truth and then tell your friends and say, did you know that this is happening? 
because until the American people are aware of the problem, then there's not going to be resistance to this malfeasance by the FDA. Um, And, of course, the other thing that they can do, and you can do this in California, is find a crisis pregnancy center near you. Um, Support them financially. Volunteer your time. Help to um, intercept women in crisis and let them know there's other options than ending the life of your child. Um, And, you know, there's a very good study recently that demonstrated that two-thirds of women who had abortion, it was not consistent with their values. A quarter Mm -hmm. of them were straight-out coerced. So. The, the narrative that it's a woman's choice and it's always freely chosen is incorrect. That's Many right. women, just because of their circumstances, they fall into it. They have the rest of their life to regret that choice. It's another part where it's not a choice if you are pressured into it and if you're not fully informed. And that's where I found with many women who I've counseled, there's so much counsel, there's so much fear um, there is this idea that I can just do this and then everything will go back to normal. Um, right. They think they can reset the clock and it didn't happen. Yeah, and it, that, that doesn't happen. And it doesn't happen. That's excellent advice for people listening to get involved in your local uh, pregnancy counseling center. Your church should have one that they support or that they are connected with and that you can volunteer at. And pay attention. The, the website you gave me was abortiondrugfacts.com abortiondrugfacts.com. And what, what will people find there? Well, that's going to be specific for chemical abortion. There's a lot of data. We've done uh, original research studies, records linkage. That's linked there as well as other good quality studies. I'm in the middle right now of writing a paper that is going to compare. The New York Times recently you know, said, oh, look at all these studies that show safety. And I break down every single one of the studies. Problems, of course, is that, um, you know, we don't have mandatory um, uh, reporting, and so many women are lost to follow-up in their studies. They assume that's uncomplicated, but as the person who takes care of those women, I can tell you those are the ones that are more likely to have been complicated, that they never came back to that abortion provider. Um, LosureInstitute.org, um, our, the other part of our website, has maternal mortality. It has, I mean, just... Mm-hmm. Almost every issue related to abortion we've tried to address. Um, so just, you know, the, the key is to be educated, to talk to people as hard as it is to talk about the subject. While we don't talk about it, a lot of women are being hurt. The website is LozierInstitute.org, L-O-Z-I-E-R, Institute.org. And if you go to uh, AbortionDrugFacts.com, it'll take you to that website also. Yeah. And I, I encourage you, I love this website because it's not... Uh, political. It's very scholarly and very informative. There is so much on there. And, you know, if you are in in a position to share this with your friends or people, this is a great site because it's not, uh, I think it's not something that's going to just lead away from the discussion, but it's going to inform. And that is a big, a big part of this. Uh, Dr. Scott, I want to thank you for uh, being with us today. Do you have any final thoughts that you want to share with people? Well, I just wanted to say that the good news is that the science is actually on the pro-life side. That's we right. know it's a human being. That's everybody knows that. But the the harm to women, um, like if if everybody recognized how, I mean, obviously we know one human life ends, but if we knew how much we're harming the other human life, who would be in favor of it? That's right. So that's um, you know just something for everybody to kind of be aware of and and make that argument. I think that's uh, something very positive and very important for people to know that the science is on our side 
And uh, that's why you can jump into this conversation in a way that is helpful and useful. Dr. Scott, thanks for being with us again. And we'll talk again soon when there's some updates on this. Uh, I really appreciate you being with us on the Pastor Scott Show. Yeah, it's been my pleasure. Thanks. Uh, thank you very much. All right. The website again is LozierInstitute.org, L-O-Z-I-E-R, Institute.org. And I uh, encourage you to go and check it out. Dr. Scott is the Vice President and Director of Medical Affairs at the Charlotte Lozier Institute. And uh, she's very involved in this discussion at the court level, and it's going to uh, continue for quite some time. Please pray about this and get involved. I will return in just a few minutes on the Pastor Scott Show, and I'll take your calls. I see your calls up there on the screen as the Friday edition continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show. It is Friday, so it's Open Phone Friday. We'll talk about whatever it is you'd like to talk about. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. And you can call and change the subject. You can call about a Bible question that maybe you have or something in the news, something that maybe you didn't get through on earlier in the week. We can bring that subject up. We do that on Fridays, and uh, we always have a good time because we don't always know what's coming, so we appreciate that. Maybe you want to call and respond to our interview we just had with Dr. Ingrid Scott, who is talking about the abortion pill and how that is going through the courts right now. I read her uh, her testimony. It's compelling as a doctor who is having to deal with the complications of the abortion pill. And I think that she might be right. You know, as, as you know, when she said, I think that this, at least the appeals court is going to uh, maybe put a stop to this drug. The reason is, is the FDA does not release the data of the complications, and the rate of chemical abortion-related emergency room visits is up 500%. It is skyrocketing, and it has, I didn't know this either, that the abortion pill has four times the risk of complications of surgical abortions. That's significant. You know, I think that the way things are presented is the pill is easy and it's clean and you just go home and take it and you're done, and that isn't the case at all. And that gets to our, our point about when you aren't given all the information, when information is withheld, it's one thing if somebody doesn't know the information or if they misstate the information or if the information you receive is incorrect, either whether it's a lie or whether people are just wrong, it's important ultimately to get the correct information. It's important in everything in our world to have the truth. That's how you live in reality. That's how you live in a world that you can navigate successfully because there are so many icebergs that you're going to hit, right? There are so many problems, and it's just worse if you're living in a world of lies. It's worse if you're living in a world that, you know, there's already so many things that are unknown, but it gets more complicated when you're misled. That matters a lot with the drugs. Does it make you nervous when you read the the complications to a drug? It really makes me nervous when they won't give you whatever the complications are. There's always some kind of side effect. And sometimes you get a list of complications and it's everything in the world because maybe there's always that possibility, you know, and you you kind of, you know, don't know what to do with it. But sometimes I read them and I go, you know what, I just have, you know, a sinus infection. Is it really worth, you know, the scary things that are in, uh, you know, I'm going to bleed from my toes or something if I take this drug? Uh, You know, maybe I don't want it. Maybe I want to try something else. And then when it comes to, 
uh, abortion or issues like that. It's the politics of it. And the FDA, much like what we're seeing in the news with the FBI today, the FDA should not be involved with politics. The FDA should be protecting the public from dangerous drugs. The FDA should follow actual science, not politically driven science. You're right, the FDA has to make evidence-based decisions about these things. We need that because it's health care. The, you know, the, the drugs you take don't discriminate uh, on how you vote, and so therefore neither should the science around it. Uh, it matters a lot. And speaking of this issue, we have seen testimony on Capitol Hill about uh, the FBI and about what is happening there, and it's pretty significant. And I want to just update you. You know, there's been several reports this week, the Durham report that came out and said a lot of what it said we already knew, but there's a lot in there that we didn't already know. We covered that this week. But the idea is that the Russia investigation that happened with Donald Trump should have never happened at all, is what it said, that there was no evidence leading that should have led any FBI agent to even begin an investigation and that it was completely politically motivated. Some of that people have been saying for a long time, and there was some indication from some other reports about all of that, but it's to read it in such a detailed level. Well, there was another uh, article that came out today in the Washington Post. Interestingly, the Washington Post yesterday, yesterday it was happening on Capitol Hills. There were some FBI whistleblowers on Capitol Hill discussing how the FBI has misused surveillance tools and been involved with politics on some different things. And what's interesting is some of yesterday's arguments from the left were saying that they're not really whistleblowers and they're politically motivated. A couple of them are paid by a couple of right-wing political donors. And they said, well, they're paying my bills because I got fired for doing this. And, you know, if you're a whistleblower somewhere for your company, you have protections under the law that if your company is doing something illegal or terribly unethical, you should have the right to blow the whistle. The The tricky part is, is that if you're wrong about the legality of what's going on or you're wrong about what your company is doing, then when you blow the whistle, it's actually insubordination or something else and you could be fired. You know, maybe you should be fired in that case. So you got to be careful about it. In this case, the FBI and the people arguing from the left are saying – that this is insubordination, and that's why the rights of these whistleblowers uh, and their jobs were taken away. And then people on the right are saying that, no, this these are whistleblowers, and they are bringing to our attention uh, misuse of criminal surveillance tools and other things from the FBI. And as I, as I talk about this, I want to say this. Whenever we, we're talking about law enforcement, and, you know, there has been so much conversation about this with – And clearly there's needed to be reforms, but most people working in these organizations are good and they're doing good work. And thousands and thousands and thousands of times they do good work for every person all the time, all the time. But that doesn't mean you can't talk about reforms, but it goes a little bit haywire, you know, when you say defund the police or sometimes now they're saying defund the FBI and it puts a blanket over every single agent, every single officer. And that hurts everybody because it lowers morale. It discredits all of the good work, which is most of it that's being done. At the same time, you've got to be able to point out when there are things that need to be adjusted. And most of the officers and most of the agents come along and they agree. Yeah, these are things that have to be fixed. There are things that happen that shouldn't happen. Well, yesterday's Washington Post was really leaning towards uh, the side in the editorial, leaning towards the side of the FBI. But today they put out an article 
that says this, the FBI misused surveillance tool on January 6th suspects, BLM arrestees, and others. And what I found very interesting about this is, here's what it says. It says the FBI misused a powerful digital surveillance tool more than 278,000 times including against crime victims, January 6th riot suspects, people arrested at protests for the killing of George Floyd in 2020, and in one case, 19,000 donors to a congressional candidate um, were, and this is according to a newly unsealed court document. And what I want you to hear in this story, you'll probably see different things on the news and some different ideas, but this was being done against people who you would say are on both sides, Okay, of any political argument, January 6th suspects and BLM riot arrestees. All right. And the controversy here is the same thing that is part of the controversy with the Donald Trump Russia investigation is that the what's called the FISA court, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, is being used against American citizens. And there is no right to do that unless there is actual evidence that you are working with a foreign power, an adversarial power, to do bad things against the United States. And so the the thing is here that is being revealed is that not only was this used against Donald Trump when there was no evidence at all about the Russia thing, no evidence, at least in according to these reports, where any investigation should have begun, let alone have a special counsel in the Mueller report and all of that. Now they're saying that this has been done 278,000 times against Americans across the right and left. And this is what, what I, if we don't get anything else out of this, it's this. If you have felt like, you know, very offended that this happened to Donald Trump, uh, or you're okay with it because it happened to Donald Trump, you have to realize that if it can happen there, if it can happen to the other side, it can also happen to your side. And what I found remarkable about the Washington Post story today is that this was misused, this digital surveillance tool in particular in the court, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act court, misused against January 6th, people who were involved in that riot and people who were involved in the BLM riots of 2020, kind of both sides. And I don't think there's any indication. In fact, that's what the article says. There's no indication that a foreign power had anything to do with either one of those. Those were Americans. Those are people who do deserve to have privacy rights upheld. And the purpose of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act is that it would be foreign, that it's about stuff going on by people who don't have an American right to privacy because they don't live here. It's a big deal. And these kinds of things, whether it's the FDA and the abortion pill or the FBI and these federal cases, these federal things that are coming forward, We can't ignore it, even if somehow it benefits our side, whatever it is politically, because it can happen to your side. It can happen to you. And this is privacy rights. This is privacy rights, 278,000 cases against Americans across the board. That's a huge deal. This needs to be investigated. It needs to be nonpartisan. It needs to uphold the good that the FBI and Department of Justice does because there's a lot of good that's happening and uphold those agents. But it also has to the political side of it, the whatever is the motivation for breaking the law and falsifying records to these courts, that has to be rooted out. Heads need to roll for this. There are people who need to be fired for this. And both sides, Democrats and Republicans, need to get on 
that page. What do you think about this? The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. This is the Pastor Scott Show, and it is Open Line Friday. We'll talk about whatever it is you want to talk about, 888-528-2557. You can give us a call now. I'll return in just a minute for your calls as the Friday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. This is truly the weaponization of government. Whether you are the president of the United States, as we have seen in the Durham report, whether or not you are a parent, concerned about your child's education, whether you are just someone who wants to go to mass, you could find yourself a target of the FBI. This FBI certainly knows no bounds, and we are seeing that in every single interview, in every single piece of evidence that we uncover. And this is really just the tip of the iceberg, but I would like to reiterate what my rep- what Representative Matt Gates said earlier. This is not about the good men and women of the FBI, the rank-and-file agents who do their job honorably. No, this is about the political corruption at the very top that has seeped down into every field office across this nation. If you don't tow the company line, you might, you might find yourself a target of the FBI, whether you are an outsider or an insider. And that is what we seek to uncover. It's a harsh statement from uh, Kat Kamick, Congresswoman from Florida, uh, who yesterday was uh, part of the congressional investigation on uh, whether or not the FBI or other government agencies are being um, weaponized is the term. And, and they're talking about against conservatives, and they've got a point on different things. And there's argument back and forth about whether or not they're whistleblowers or not, whether or not the FBI, you know. But whatever it is, we need to pay attention to this because, as the story in The Washington Post said today, is that there are misuses against people from all sides – of the law and stuff. And, you know, I feel like we ignore these things when it's about the other side or it's not a tech, you know, affecting us. I, I was on uh, Twitter a while ago and somebody was complaining that Christians were concerned about the Uyghurs in China who are essentially in concentration camps by the Chinese government. The Uyghurs are a Muslim group of people who are literally being put in trains and, in, and imprisoned in labor camps in Western China. And they said, well, they're Muslims. We shouldn't really care about that. And the thing is, is that that's absolutely wrong, because if they can do that to the Muslims, well, then they're going to do that to the Christians. Why not? You know, we we have to be about, you know, we're not saying that we agree with a different uh, understanding of who God is or a different religion or, or denying the truth of our own religion when we stand up and say we shouldn't be imprisoning people for their faith, whatever that is. We should not have a federal government here, an agency, whether it's the IRS or the FBI or the DOJ or any other three letters you can put together, um, using their power for political reasons. And it's been done before, right? One of the things that uh, the Nixon administration was going to be in trouble for if he didn't resign was a misuse of the IRS against people, right? A few years ago, the IRS was believed to be um, not – approving nonprofits from conservative groups and approving them very quickly for liberal groups. Uh, Either way you look at it, it's bad. Uh, It matters quite a bit. 
Um, it's Open Line Friday. We'll talk about whatever it is you'd like to talk about today. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. Uh, Gershom in Los Angeles. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi, Pastor Scott. Thank you for taking my call. Yeah. I was just reflecting on your comments on the FBI. Um, I remember saying that there's a house divided will not stand, and it seems that um, that's what's happening at the government uh, level as well. It's not just on the everyday person or in churches or in families. It seems that it's starting to show its fruit and colors in different branches of government. And if it is true that this is going on and folks are trying to um, push out certain viewpoints from the FBI or shows that there's people that are very intentional about trying to move forward what their priorities are. And I think maybe they figured out they don't have to. Uh, people out there are paying attention, well-intentioned, and, and know the truth. So they might switch tactics and just say, well, let's just convince a handful of people and put them in key positions to move the whole thing forward. But I think the average person still understands that you got to be a right person. You have a right to privacy, and yet um, there's a side that says um, what you do uh, in private, you know, will eventually come to the light and stuff. And so when it's for uh, bringing justice to criminal cases, a good thing. But at the everyday level, I guess folks just want to live comfortably and stuff. But mm. I think the average person is not too worried about the FBI unless they're doing something yeah. bad. Well, I think that they don't – you know, the average person well, – like I said, you don't have to worry about the FBI. But it's an interesting thing when there's 278,000 yes. cases of, yes. you know, people who were – uh, you know, there, there were certainly people who were doing criminal things, okay? There were some people who broke laws on January 6th, and there was mm-hmm. lots of lawbreaking that happened on, mm-hmm. you know, the BLM riots. You know, certainly a reason for law enforcement to be investigating. There are people in all of that who should be arrested. But there's an awful lot of people who should not have been investigated. They were just doing what they had a right to do, you know, in the protests and stuff. And they, so that's why it matters. Kind of what I'm getting at, like you said, a house yeah. divided cannot stand, is we have to be supporting each other's rights and not just our own that's why yeah. that's how yeah. we stay united even if we disagree on different things uh, gershom thank you very yeah. much for calling the pastor scott show um janice in torrance welcome to the pastor scott show thank you scott um i'm calling regarding the abortion pill yeah earlier I in the so. hour we had a guest on who was talking about the uh, where that's at in the courts Go ahead. And you know, I didn't, I didn't get to hear that exactly, but um, it, it has just popped in my mind, and I hope it doesn't sound insane. But you know, um, I believe that the government, and I, I don't think I'm the only one. I don't think that the government wants us to have healthy children. Uh, I worked in pediatrics in Santa Monica for ten years, and the, and that's when uh, children started to get autism. Then in the 2000s, you know, my daughter, who's 16 years old, was told that she had to get that vaccine so she wouldn't uh, get cervical cancer. It's, you know, BS, as far as I can say. And uh, and I don't think they want us to have healthy children. They don't want us to procreate. They don't, I don't think, well, you know, they want less people in the world. And I do believe, you know, there's a deep state. And uh, I think it's a very sinister undercurrent. Well, you know, uh, one of the things about the the things in medicine and with the things you're talking about with the abortion pill, with, you know, the thing about the vaccine, you know, that your your daughter got, the other answer is uh, don't be promiscuous and you won't get that disease, 
right? I mean, there's but there's they don't tell there's, you that. Well, that's what I'm saying is that when whenever you're not being told something, there's probably a political reason. Now, it may not be as as oh. dire as we just want everybody to die, but there's some reason, right? There's there and there certainly are people who think there's too many people around. I don't know if people, right. but I think it has to do with you know left and right stuff and different agendas. And you know, if you're taking a medicine and you can't learn what the possible side effects are for whatever reason, right. or you're not told the truth, that should be a right. red flag. That really needs to be a red flag. You know, if you're just not told anything, they could be wrong. There can be errors. That should be allowable because we're humans, right? But in areas like this yeah. with the FDA or what we're even seeing with the FBI, where things are hidden from people. Um, yeah you got to ask questions and you know whatever the the truth is out there you got to be careful about labeling it as something when you can't prove that either but you really can focus on the question that you're asking is why why when i have to get when i go into the doctor and you know i'm going to have some procedure done and they have to draw a map for me exactly what they're going to do and i got to sign off and i got to read all of the uh, possible complications for most things yeah. But then there's certain things where they don't want to tell me any of that and they won't. You know, that's a political and decision. It's not medical. It's not scientific. I um, see. That makes sense. Yeah. And that, you know, American people on all sides of things need to be waking up to that when it happens. Uh, Janice, thanks for calling the Pastor Scott Show today. Uh, important for all of us. You know, and as Christians, you know, there's a time coming, right, when your faith will be it's almost here. In some places, you know, it is. But in some places, you know, your faith will not be allowed. We've seen that around the world, you know, where it's okay to be a Christian as long as you keep it within the four walls of the, you know, government uh, zoned uh, area that you call a church or a sanctuary. But don't you dare take it out of there. We see that all around the world today. There's no reason to assume that that's not coming here at some point. That is, you know, we should assume that Jesus was correct when he said, people will hate you because of me. That time is coming. And you know, when we say that, we don't need to get worried about it because the same Jesus told us that the gates of hell will not prevail. And as a matter of fact, some of the places where Christianity and the gospel is being spread the most effectively is in countries and places in the world where it has become illegal. And part of that is because we don't argue about things like the carpet or the worship or other things when you're just not really allowed to have carpet or worship in the first place. See what I mean? We focus on the gospel. And all of this stuff, we need to focus on the gospel. Hey, when we come back in a minute, we're going to talk about the gospel. Pastor Tim Keller passed away today. Maybe you don't know that, but he has impacted you probably in the last several years, whether you know who he is or not. A very important figure in American, uh, the American church the last few years. We'll talk about that. When we return, it's also Open Line Friday, 888-528-2557. Call with anything you want. This is the Pastor Scott Show. We'll be back as the Friday edition continues. Stay tuned. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.